The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Well, good morning. It's good to be with y'all. Um, if you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Micah. We're in the book of Micah, which uh, don't be afraid to use the table of contents at the beginning. There may be a little extra page shuffling, but we're in the book of Micah, and so we'll be unpacking that today. I want to walk through the whole book, but uh, it's good to be with you. My name is Jared Clary. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm over students and missions, and so I might look a little different. No beard. I shaved that off at camp, Um, and so it's like, wow, you look a lot younger, and so uh, it will be coming back, I'm sure, because I don't like to shave. Um, So... We're going to be looking at the book of Micah, and what I want to do this morning in in this whole series, as Tracy has talked about, is that we want this to be a summer to remember. And so we need to remember who the Lord is and what the Lord has done, and and remembering is a great thing. When we forget who the Lord is and and what the Lord has done, then it, it normally ends poorly for us, and we start to justify things or we start to act in a way that's not consistent with who God is. And, and so to remember is a great thing. And so the Lord all throughout the scripture says, remember, 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 remember. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to pull out this theme out of Micah of remember justice, remember justice. And then next week, what we'll do is, is we'll pull out this theme of remembering mercy. And so really Micah can kind of be summarized in these two ideas of justice and mercy. And so that's what we're going to unpack this morning. But just to give a little context, verse 1 says this, The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Morsheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. And so we get the whole setup for, for what is this word of the Lord that's coming through this prophet Micah. What is this all about? And it's, it's to Samaria and Jerusalem, so the people of God, Israel. It's to them. There's both camps there, the northern and the southern, the, the people of God. But it's in the timeline of, of these kings. And so what we see is that Micah was a contemporary of Isaiah and Hosea. And so as you read your Bible and you're, you're looking at these prophecies and, and you're looking at, at what was going on in the time, and so you've got Isaiah, Hosea, and Micah are all contemporaries. And so God's speaking to the people of Israel through multiple different people, saying very much the same sort of things and calling them to remember and calling them to follow and obey Him. And so timeline, we're looking at like 742 B.C. I'm not a time guy, but I know some of y'all are, and so you're like, ah, that makes sense to me. Me, it's another number, right? Like some of y'all are with me. That's like 740 B.C., like so. But for some of you, that makes a lot of sense. This is before the fall of Israel. And so they have not been judged yet. The people of God have not been judged yet with the captivity that's coming in, but But that's one of the things that Micah prophesies about. And so in this book, God is speaking to his people. And so that's what I want us to catch is that that this morning, through God's word, God is speaking to his people. There is a word for us this morning. The prophets, it's been said, afflict the comforted and comfort the afflicted. That the the prophets afflict the comforted. Those who are comfortable, who are chilled out, who are fat and happy, those who are just cruising through life, the prophets 
come alongside and they afflict the comforted. They shake us out of our lazy stupor. But to those who are afflicted, the prophets come alongside those who are afflicted and who are crying out, where is God? God, why? God, where are you? God, do you hear me? And they bring comfort to the afflicted. And so my prayer this morning is that it would do both of those for us. That if you're in the place where you are crying out, God, where are you? God, why would you allow this? God, what is going on? God, do you even hear me? That you would be comforted. But if you're comfortable, as I was when I first started studying through this again, I pray that you're afflicted, that it shakes you, that it wakes you up, that it says the Lord has more for you. He has a purpose for you and that you would hear that. It's not always a fun message to hear. It's not always a fun message to preach, Um, but it's a good message and a word from the Lord that God is speaking to us as his people. Let me pray before we jump in. Lord, we ask that you would do what you can do. God, that you would awaken dead hearts to life. God, that you would open eyes that are blind to certain things, certain truths, certain realities, certain things in our own life. God, that you would awaken blind eyes that they would see. God, that you would open deaf ears. Lord, that as we've heard some of these things before and maybe we've never really heard it, God, that you would give us ears to hear. God, but even more importantly, God, would you give us a heart that, the, that desires the things which you desire for us. God, that we would remember who you are and what you call us to. God, that we would remember your goodness and your love for us. God, that we would remember your justice. God, that we would remember you. Lord, and that we would live every moment in light of the reality that you are our creator, that you love us, and that you have good for us. Lord, for your glory. And our good, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the way that Mike is laid out is there's three cycles. And only having two opportunities to preach, I didn't want to bog down in these cycles, but to tell you there's these three cycles that, that Micah lays out. And, and the Lord comes to Micah and he says, hey, here's what I have against my people. And so there's a cycle that's a courtroom scene, and, and there's a judge, and there's this courtroom scene where God brings this accusation against the people of God. And so what you see in these cycles is God brings this accusation, and he says, this is what I have against you. And he brings the accusations, and he unpacks those. And then at the end of every cycle, then there's a salvation. That this is what the Lord has against you, but God's not abandoning you, that he's going to save you. And then you get another one of, this is what the Lord has against you and the injustices that, that are present among the people of God that shouldn't be. And, and then God's going to save you. And then, this is what I have against you. And he unpacks all of that. And then he says, but I'm going to save you. And so we get these three cycles. And, and basically what I'm doing is I'm, I'm taking all of these things that the Lord has against his people and all of the injustices that are being done among the people of God. And I want us to look at, at these three truths that I'm going to give you, okay? So how do we unpack Micah in this? That there's these injustices that are going on, and then we're going to look at these three truths to remind ourselves of. But it's important for us to know that injustice is not particular to Micah's age, right? You and I know that there is injustice, which is a disease that permeates every generation, 
every human heart, every civilization, that there is injustice that happens. It permeates every segment of human history. That's one of the things that's great about history is we see that injustice has, human hearts are the same. It's been in every generation. And yet, it's something that that we must use every means to fight against and eliminate. The injustice that we see. And so point number one that we see out of Micah is that God is the standard of justice. God is the standard of justice. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil in their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it because it is in the power of their hands. Now, I want to catch this, that there was, a, there was a means of determining right and wrong that was present in Micah's day and among these people that God says, no, 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 that's not right. And it's present in our day. I have four children. My oldest is named Micah. I love this book. I love the passages and some of these truths that are claimed. And so Micah is my oldest. He's eight. He's sitting right here. Give him a little shout out. He was like, Dad, you going to give me a shout out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so sometimes I'll be in the house and I hear the scream. You guys know the scream if you've got children. Happy Father's Day, right? It's like the scream. And you walk in and it's like, he took my toy. It's like, oh boy, right? But there's a, there's a principle that's at play that might makes right. I'm bigger than you. I take what I want. It's mine now. And you can't get it back. But that's not just true of children, right? What Micah is saying here is that 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 was true of the day. That they would lay in bed and go, you know, I really like that lake house that that guy's got. I'll just take it from him tomorrow. Might makes right. Like, he can't do anything to stop me, so I'll just take it. What's he going to do? I'm bigger, I'm better, I'm more powerful. He can't do anything, so it's mine. Might makes right. We see it on the news, right? That people abuse power. They use their power to get what they want because who's going to stop them? You see, our whole government is set up with these checks and balances so that this sort of stuff won't happen, right, is what we're trying to to get at, but might makes right. But where do we get the idea? How can we say, no, 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 might makes right is wrong. That that's wrong. Where do we even get that from? No one's going to the lions on the African plains and saying, hey, um, you shouldn't eat that baby gazelle just because you're bigger and stronger and faster. Shouldn't do that. Nobody's saying that to them. It's not a moral injustice for might to make right. For a bigger and badder lion to come and say, hey, this is my pride now. No one's going, oh, injustice, injustice. No one's saying that, but oh, for a man to see a child and to say, I'm bigger, I'm badder, that's mine. Oh, the injustice. But where do we get this from? Where do we get that we cry, no, injustice? It's that God is the standard of justice. God is the standard. He defines right and wrong. God is our moral absolute. 
If you don't have God, where do you go to define justice and right and wrong? Well, you can culturally define it and say, well, our culture came up with these are the rules we have to apply. But what happens when there's a bigger and badder culture who comes in and says, no, 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 our rules? Do you cry injustice? If there is no moral absolute, then there is no grounds for moral injustice. God is our standard of justice. He is the one who tells us what is right and wrong. As Christians, we derive our standard of justice from the scriptures. God's commands are neither arbitrary nor irrational. Now catch that. They're not arbitrary or irrational because they stem from and reflect who God is. If God is just and he gave us his word, his word is just. So it's not arbitrary of I like this but don't like this. No, it's all just. It's all right. Or, oh, that's irrational. That one doesn't make sense, so I throw it out. No, God has given us his word, which is just. Therefore, because God is just, he knows what acts are just. And he prescribes what's just and he forbids what's unjust. God is our standard of justice. Where do we go outside of his word to know what is right and wrong? It's like ships being tossed on the sea, driven to and fro. It's like the house that's built on the sand, which has no foundation and it crumbles. But God is just. He tells us what is right and wrong. Look at what was happening in Micah's day He says, they devise evil plans, chapter 2, verse 1, and because it's in the power of the hand, then they take it. But verse 2, they covet fields and seize them, and houses and take them away. They oppress a man in his house and a man in his inheritance. They were taking away inheritances, which then left children with nothing. Verse 3, therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, against this family I am devising disaster. From which you cannot remove your necks, and you shall not walk haughtily, for it will be a time of disaster. We see that God speaks into the injustice. That he sees the injustice and he speaks into the injustice, which leads us to our second point. That if God is just, he always acts justly. God is just and therefore everything that flows out of him is just. Now, we can follow that mentally, but let's play this out in our life as we unpack this passage. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. And I said, this is Micah speaking, Hear you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice? Now, Initial reading of this, it didn't hit me, but then as I began to study this, then, then this verse is the verse that sat on my chest like an elephant. The weight of this, that God would say, you want justice? I'll show you justice. For God to say to the people, you want justice? Let me show you what that really means. 
And he unpacks this. Is it not for you to know justice? You've been acting in such a way as if justice didn't apply to you. But let me apply it for you. He says, you who hate the good and love the evil, who tear the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and fillet their skin from off of them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. God hears the afflicted and he says, this is what you've been doing to my people. And everything inside of us, we go, justice. Get them, God. Get them. Right? We go, get them. These are wicked, evil people. Get them, God. And we cry out for justice, right? But what if we spin that table? And what if God says to you what you have said to other people? See, most of us don't see ourselves as these people who are filleting others and who are crushing up their bones. And like, I mean, this is graphic stuff. We're like, gross, that's not me. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm a pretty good person, right? Like, I, I'm, I treat people nice. But what are the injustices of our day? You're like, oh boy, here he goes. What are the injustices that, that we see? Well, a lot of them are political. But what about an abuse of power? Exploitation of others. Abortion. Racism. Immigration. Human trafficking. Dishonesty. White-collar crimes. Blue-collar crimes. Injustice. Crimes against one another. Taking advantage of the weak. Taking advantage of those who don't have a voice or whose voice is small. Those who can't use the legal system in the same way that we can. You go, oh boy, he's going there. I'm not talking about you should have this political view or that political view. What Micah is saying is he says, what is your heart towards the people? What is your heart towards the human being? Because God created that human being. And he created him in his own image. And he created him for a purpose. To glorify him. And he put you in a place of influence and power for a reason. Not to turn a blind eye. Not to abuse. Not to neglect. But to fight for justice. What would the Lord say about you? What is the words that you use to describe those in other situations? Again, I'm not saying you should have a certain political position, but maybe the dialect sounds like, well, they shouldn't come here because they'll just use all our resources. What if God said, well, I don't want to let them into heaven because they'll just use all my resources? Oh, you want justice? God says, I'll show you justice. Let me use the words which you have used to describe and talk about others to you. Oh, country, how you like me now? Oh, the prophets afflict the comforted, right? 
how it sits on us to say, wow, have I fought for justice? Have I remembered the justice of God? Do I want God to interact with me in the way that I have interacted with others? Oh, the justice of God. Look at some of these things that were going on. Chapter 2, verse 9. Micah says, The women of my people you drive out from their delightful houses. Their young children you take away my splendor forever. He says, you were abusing the widowed and orphaned. Chapter 3, verse 2 through 4. We've already read it, but he says, you were, you were literally abusing my children and, and it was evil. You hated good and you loved evil. Verse 5, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray. He says, you're leading my people astray? And I'm going to lead you into darkness. He says, you have afflicted others, you will be afflicted. You have stolen other people's homes, I will take your home away from you. I will give it to another. You've evicted people, I'll evict you from the land I've given you. You've afflicted others, I will afflict you. You have led people into darkness. I will put you in darkness. Chapter 3, verse 9 through 12, he says, Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Evil, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight. He says, you don't even want justice. You detest it. You say, no, 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 no. You make crooked all that is straight. Who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Listen. Therefore, because of you, Zion, shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house a wooded height. The Lord says, You want justice? I'll show you justice. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Just retribution from the Lord. But remember, all that the Lord does is just. It's his nature of who he is. And so when you're on the receiving end of this, you go, no, 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 no. I don't like the justice of God. But what about when you're afflicted? What about when you lost your house, when you sit in darkness, when you've been abused by those in power, oh, the justice of God is like a warm blanket, right? Comfort in the midst of chaos. In the midst of the unknown and the oppression, it's joy and light. See, we need to remember the justice of God, that it afflicts the comforted and comforts the afflicted. The injustice of our day should leave us a bit uncomfortable. If we are the people of God, clothed in Christ's righteousness, then to see injustice should leave us uncomfortable. It should leave us with an angst to say, how can I be involved? How can I fight for justice? Because we get there because we understand that that when we stand under the justice of God, 
we're all condemned. Flip over to Romans chapter 3, the passage that Jordan read for us. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 19. It says this. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Now this passage just drops the mic. It just says, hey, listen, there is no one who can stand before God and say, God, I'm just, I'm good, go ahead, let me in. Like, I'm good. The law says everyone has to shut their mouth. Everyone is held accountable. And so when God says, you want justice, I'll show you justice, we go, I can't argue my case. I'm guilty. God, like, I, I got nothing to say. I, I'm guilty. I can't say my good outweighs my bad. I'm, I, I still did the bad. I can't say I didn't know. He's written it on our hearts. Every mouth is shut. Every person is held accountable in the whole world. For God to stand and be just, which he is, and he always acts justly, then for us to walk up to the Lord and say, God, you should let me in heaven. We have no reason. We are all condemned because of our action. And that's exactly what this passage is saying. He says, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Every single person in this room, for us to stand before God, we are condemned. But thank goodness it doesn't stop there. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, which Micah is going to point to this, this manifestation of, of God's righteousness. Verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Catch this, it's a familiar verse, but catch this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Now, did you catch that? We all stand before God, fallen, sinful. We've all sinned and fall short of it. And then he goes right into, and are justified by his grace as a gift, that we can stand before God fully justified. Now, how in the world is that? That we've committed this, I own it, it's me, I can't squirm out from under it, I can't blame anyone else for it. This was my choice. I fall short. And yet to stand before God justified? It's by the grace that's his gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. The propitiation is the payment, the full payment, the satisfactory payment by his blood to be received by faith. Now catch this. It's not like God's just turning a blind eye and saying, I'll forget about your sin. I'll ignore it. I'll pretend it didn't happen. Let's move forward from here and just pretend it didn't happen. That's not what's happening here. God says, I am just. And look at this. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, verse 26. So that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. You see, he didn't set aside his justice. 
in order to appease allowing people into heaven. No, 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 no. God is just, and he poured out his wrath on your sin and on my sin on Jesus Christ in order that we might stand before him justified, fully paid, fully clean, righteous and redeemed, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, not clothed in the filthiness of my own sin and selfishness, but clothed in the righteousness of Christ because God is just and the justifier. He provided the way. But don't miss this. This is only for those who by faith have put their faith in Jesus Christ, who have put their hope in Jesus Christ. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ and received the gift of Christ's righteousness, then you still stand before God in your own righteousness, which is filthy. And God is just, and he will not turn a blind eye to sin, but he will judge like a just judge. And if the sin has not been paid for, then you will pay. See, this is why we need Christ. This is why the whole Christian faith hinges on the cross, because without the cross, without what Christ has done for us and applied to us, then there's no way we can stand before God. But this is our great hope, that those who are in Christ are fully justified, that he actually calls us sons and daughters of the king, that he calls us his own. He adopts us into his family. It's not like, oh, well, okay, they're justified, but I don't really like them. No, he calls you into his family and calls you his own, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. But don't miss what Micah is saying here. And what Paul is saying here is that God is just. He will punish every sin. And either you're going to pay for it or Christ already paid for it. That's the choice. So if you are standing before God and you're like, I don't have a chance. There's a free gift that Christ offers by faith. We would love to talk to you more about that after the service. Or if you came with a friend, I'm sure they would love to share with you more about that. That you can have that. That's offered to you. Christ's righteousness is offered to you to cover you. Because you will stand before a just God who always acts justly. The last point that I want to cover is that God will restore justice. God is just, he always acts justly, and he will ultimately restore justice. Flip back to Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. This is Micah's prayer at the end of after these court scenes have unfolded and after God has brought his rebuke against the people and he has said, you acted in this way and so I will act this way against you. I will be just. And so then Micah in chapter 7 begins this prayer and this lament and this clinging to this promise. And and so verse 7 says this, But as for me, I will look to the Lord. 
I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Have you ever been there? You, you just are in the mess, and you're like, God, do you hear me, God? Where are you, God? Why? And you can just cry out with Micah, but as for me, I'm going to make a choice. I will look to the Lord, and I will wait for the God of my salvation. He'll save me. My God will hear me. That He's always with you. That he never left you. That he hasn't abandoned you or forsaken you. But that he is with you even to the end of the age. That he is with you. Even in your deepest mess up. He's with you. And he will hear you. Now look at this. This is where it goes back to comforting the afflicted. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. This is not the end of my story. My God will restore justice. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Yeah, I've caused some of these consequences. I've made these choices. I've walked this path. I have sinned and I will bear the indignation of the Lord until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out to the light and I shall look upon his vindication. Do you see the hope of Christ? That when we stand before the Lord and and we go, I've got all this mess. And we see our vindication. We see Christ seated on the throne and we cry, worthy is the lamb to take the scrolls. Worthy is he to wipe away every tear. To make all things right. Because he is our vindication. He is the one who makes all things right. It's Christ. Verse 10, Then my enemy will see, and shame will cover her, for he, cover her who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? Does that not sound like today? If God was so big and powerful and so good, why would he allow bad things to happen? If God's powerful enough to stop it, why doesn't he do it? Listen, we don't know the Lord's plans. But he always acts justly because he is just. And he will restore justice. Catch this. Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look upon her. Now she will be trampled down like the mire of the streets. Oh, God will restore justice. Those who love evil and despise good, the Lord will bring justice. That day is coming. But for you and for me, are you going to be standing before the Lord in the day of justice, clothed in your own righteousness, which is filthy rags, or clothed in the righteousness of Christ? You see, if we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, then we ought to look like it now. We ought to begin to fight for justice. Your voice should not be silent in the midst of injustice. But... The Christian's voice should be loud because we're clothed in Christ's righteousness, because we are the representation of Christ, because we are his ambassador, making an appeal for the justice of God of what right and wrong is. We are the voice for those without a voice. And so in the midst of injustice, I hope that the Lord is 
is afflicting some of us that have been comfortable, that have been sitting just fat and happy, lazy, enjoying life, enjoying that we're right with the Lord while others are being taken advantage of. I pray that the Lord afflicts you as he has me. He's placed you in an incredible country with incredible influence, with incredible resources, with a voice of influence. It may be two people. It may be 10,000 people. But God has given you a voice to fight for justice because God has made you justified. And that is a free gift to offer to others. If you're sitting afflicted, I pray that you are comforted. I pray that you know that the Lord hears and that you would sit and you would wait on the God of your salvation because he hears you and he will restore all justice. He hasn't abandoned you or forgotten you and he won't turn a blind eye to evil. He will avenge and vindicate. There's a message for all of us today, right? Because of the justice of God, which we should remember, it ought to motivate us. That we can't sit and stay where we're at, but that it pushes us to actively wait or to actively fight for justice. Let's pray. God, with messages like this that shake us in our comfort, God, I pray that we would be diligent to not turn on our internal lawyer that justifies our actions or our reasons or, or our, our arguments, God, but that we would truly ask, Lord, what do you have for me? God, that you, through your word, as, as the scriptures say, that it pierces, it cuts joint and marrow. God, would you pierce and cut our hearts? Lord, that we would not be like Israel in this day that had to be afflicted from external sources, that, that the only way to shake them from their stupor was the pain that they would feel. God, I pray that we would be more discerning and diligent to listen to your voice, to obey it. God, would you prick our hearts? God, would you give us courage and boldness to fight for justice? Lord, to see people as humans. Lord, would we be reminded that, that you are just and you always act justly and you will restore justice. God, would we live in such a way that we reflect that to a world that's looking for hope, to a world which cries out for justice but has nowhere to look for it, that doesn't know how to find it. God, would we be the voice that tells them where to run? that tells them who you are, that tells them that there is a God who is just, but that he has sent his son that he might be the justifier of all those who would run to him and find salvation in his name. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.